So what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks, what I, I realize is I have never preached Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday, which is June 9th. And so I thought like it would be good this year to preach Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. And so I said, well, if I'm going to preach Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday, which is June 9th, then I would like to spend some time in resurrection stories. Because I think we often, there's like this big hullabaloo of Easter, and then we forget that actually something happened after Easter. And so we're going to be spending time in that. And it's interesting that you may be clear on what led up to the cross and to the tomb, but you may be a little bit unclear about what happened after that. Like we know that at some point Jesus left and then stuff happened, and now we're here we are today. But like, what happened, and, and, and what took place? So this is what we're going to be doing over the next uh, several weeks that lead up to Pentecost Sunday, which is, uh, that's like I said, June 9th. And then on June 16th, I'm going to preach uh, Peter's sermon uh, after. So, so Pentecost happens, the Spirit descends, and then Peter, Peter preaches a sermon after that. So I'm going to preach Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. Then after that, I'm going to preach on, uh, on, on Peter's sermon that flows out of that. And then leading into all of those weeks, we're going to be looking at resurrection stories. Uh, two from Luke chapter 24, which will be this week and then next week. And then uh, the resurrection story in, uh, in John 21. We're going to take two weeks on that. And then um, after that, we're going to preach the Great Commission. Jesus says, there's something I want. I'm, I'm going to go now, but I want you to do something. I want you to be, uh, you've got a, a task. And then we're going to preach the Ascension. And so there was 40 days between the resurrection and then Jesus' ascension. And it's a really weird 40 days because Jesus kind of just pops up and the disciples don't know what to do. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that. You go, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like Jesus would show up and then they would just kind of pray and be together in community and then wait for like the next, the next marching orders. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you're like, I don't know what to do. Like I don't know what to do and, I, and, and, and God hasn't, like he, he's spoken to me in the past, but I don't know what to do now. And I think to myself, just do a lot of things of like, what were your last marching orders? What were the last, like, what, are you still being faithful and truthful to what God has given you to do? And this is what the disciples are doing. They don't know. Like there is this, a craziness is happening. Where does Jesus want us to go? And so he's like, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And as we found out uh, before is that he says, I, I want you to stay in Jerusalem, but I do also want you to go to the Galilee. And so they're just kind of moving around and just kind of staying local, praying, and then Jesus shows up, and then he goes again, and then he shows up again. And then, but there's no, is, is from our perspective, there's no sense of like rhyme or reason. So there's 40 days of that, then Jesus ascends, and then it's 50 days, which is why it's called Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection is then the Spirit descends upon uh, the disciples. And so that is the whole promise. Jesus says, I have to go so that I can send the Spirit. He ascends 40 days after the resurrection, and then 50 days after the resurrection, the Spirit descends. And I think about how intense, you know, you want to think about 60 days of life, right, between maybe Palm Sunday and, and the, the descending of the Spirit at Pentecost. I go, how intense those two months must have been. And you can imagine, especially right after the crucifixion, is that, you know, great things have just taken place. There's, there's been this, this great story. I mean, Jesus was crucified. He was their leader. And now what do they do? There's all of these, these conflicting reports. 
And now the day of the resurrection is that, is that there, there's conflicting reports about what's, what's happened even with Jesus. We have some reports that are coming back now that, that, that the tomb is empty. And then some have said that they've seen him, but then others said that they went and they didn't see him. And so you can imagine, and, and any time there's any sort of breaking story, like you just think about now, right? I mean, we are in the, we are in the, the most uh, like connected uh, information age ever, and you think about whenever there's a breaking story, like the first, the first uh, reports that you get aren't always accurate. And truth be told, the second reports you get aren't always accurate either, or the, or the third or the fourth. But this idea is that there's really, when, when they're just trying to make sense, as information's coming in, some of, it's, some of it's correct, some of it's not. And you can just really feel them sorting to sort this out. And really, this is what's happening with the disciples. Lots of information's coming in. And what do we do with it? And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at one of the, 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 they're all famous, I think. This is probably one of the more famous ones. This is when the disciples, so to the uh, two people on the road to Emmaus. And so if you have your, your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. And so as we step in, they've already gone to the tomb. It's been empty. The people that we see in this story, they didn't go to the tomb, but they've heard word of it. And so they're making their way. And this is going to be uh, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 13. That very day, referring to, to the resurrection, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood and they looked sad. Sorry, they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you, the only, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know, who does not know the things that have happened where, sorry, there in these days. And so you hear you have two, we would say not, not two of the disciples, the, you know, at this point, the, the 11, but two followers of Jesus. It says it's two of them, and they're returning. They're going, they're going back home. What would happen with, at, at Passover time is that Jerusalem would, would swell with people. And after some of them celebrated Passover, much like you do with many holidays, right? What do you do after the holiday? Uh, you, you go home. And so here they are. They're going home. And what they're doing is they're recounting the story. They're talking about it. Have you ever had a really intense experience? Maybe you went to like a really good like a sporting event or a really good maybe a concert or a really good movie or you just had a meal at your family's house and it was really intense. Like, you know, there was an argument that was had and, and people got their, their feelings hurt. And anytime there's a really intense like, experience like that, the one thing that happens is when you get back into the car, then you start talking about what just happened. Like you get into the car like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And maybe you, you bit your tongue back over here. You didn't say some things over here. But then you get into the you just start like, what just happened? And then, and then he said, did you catch how he said that? Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, because you were out of the room when that happened. And so then when you came back in and what you do is you recount the story. And what you're trying to do is put all the pieces back together again. And this is what they're trying to do. They're recounting everything. And then Jesus, as it says here, Jesus himself 
It would have been actually enough for it to say just Jesus drew near. This idea that when it says Jesus himself, it's like heightening it. It's like Jesus. Yes, Jesus himself. And what we see here is that then Jesus inserts himself into the story. But how does he insert himself into the story? As a stranger. And so these two guys are walking along and then Jesus himself inserts himself into the story. And he starts asking them. It's just like, so what's, what's going on here? What's happening? Now, in our context, right, a Western context, this is a little weird, right? You're on a, you're on a walk, and a stranger comes up and goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? Like, none of your business. That's what we're talking about. Like, why, like, why do you, like, no, no, like, that's just awkward. And so that's a little creepy, a little creepy. But in an in a Eastern context, this would be just normal. In fact, actually, it's, it's been kind of nice. I, uh, on Mondays, I'll often I'll walk down to, to Bellabrew. And, uh, and now, like, my, I found the time that I leave my house um, is the same time that a, a group from Heritage Park walks down from Bellabrew. And so, like, we, we merge at the, at the lake at the, about the same time. And so I've been able to talk with some of them as we, as we walk in. And, uh, and I'll typically have a book with me. And they'll ask me, say, like, well, like, what are you reading? And so, so it is actually kind of like, so there, is, there are some, some pockets of where this is happening, where we just start to walk alongside and you just go, hey, we're on, we're on the road. We don't, you know, neither one of us have our, uh, our headsets on. So let's just talk. And so this is Jesus. So Jesus, he inserts himself into the story and then says, like, what are you guys, what are you guys talking about? And it says that they're, they were kept from recognizing him. That's what it says in verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It is implied in the text that it's God who has kept them from recognizing him. In other words, Jesus is making sure that he's not recognized. Which is very interesting for me. Because you think here he is in his resurrected state. And he has come to what? Reveal himself. You would think that's the first thing he would want to do. Like, guys, it's, it's me. But that's not what he does. He, 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 he keeps them from recognizing him. And so for a little while, as it tells us here, that he wants to, in a sense, like, be a stranger. And so this is an interesting thing because the, the issue with Jesus here is not one of identification, right? But one of revelation, and their eyes are kept, even as we were, we were singing with worship, like, may, may our eyes be opened. And so their eyes are kept from, from recognizing that it's Jesus. Which is interesting because, you know, a lot of times when people, when people are looking for God, you know, I, one of my things I tell them, I go, just, you know, what your prayer be? Just prayer that, that God would reveal himself to you. And I think sometimes we, we, we lose this. We just pray that God will reveal himself to you. And sometimes my prayer is just like, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Because it feels like, it feels like I think things are happening. I just don't know what's happening, and I don't, I don't see you working. And so would you reveal yourself to me? And I realize, you know, sometimes you can read the Bible, you can read the Bible, you can read the Bible, you can, you can pray, you can pray, you can talk with people. But if God wants to remain hidden, guess what? God can remain hidden. He's smarter than you. He can cloak himself. He's really good. And so sometimes he remains hidden. And sometimes he remains hidden for a purpose. 
And here we see that he's remaining hidden for a purpose. And so he asks them the question, what are you guys talking about? Like, what, 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 what's the conversation? This is what he says. What is the conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad or this idea of disbelief. And so I picture them walking, 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 walking. And it's like, so, uh, you know, and they're talking resurrection. Did you see, see what happened here? And then I heard, like, Peter bounced out. And then, like, well, Judas is the one that betrayed him. And then, but now we've got, we've got word that he's raised from the grave. And like, yes, but that was, you know, was coming from the, the women. And then Peter and John went there, but they didn't see him. But the tomb was empty. He's like, what are you guys talking about? And as they're walking, they stop. They stop and they look sad or in disbelief and go, are you like the only one? Do you not know? Like, do you not know what's, what's happened? Do you not know what, what has been taking place? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet. He says, do you not know? He's the only one. And then it goes on and then, and then verse 19 And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. And so Jesus hears them talking and then asks them the question, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, are you the only one? I mean, are you living under a rock? Because I've been living behind a rock for three days, but he didn't say that. But are you the only one? Are you the only one? And I love, I love, I love Jesus. Probably out of all of the questions that Jesus asked, this is probably one of my favorite questions that Jesus asked. Huh, what things? (laughs) He's the center of the story. Yeah, would you, uh, no, no, tell me the story. What happened? Like where, like what, what, what took place? And so they explain to him. And they tell him, I love this, they tell him his own story. And then it says this, and I think, so I think it goes from my, my favorite question of Jesus, what things to I think the, some of the, the saddest words of the New Testament, which are, than we had hoped. We had hoped. And so he says, oh, there's it, the, the thing, what things, what things, what things? Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, that's those, those things. He was a prophet of God, a mighty prophet, but he was crucified. Our leaders gave him over. And 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 now he's been in the grave three days, and, and the Jewish thought is that the that after three days is that the spirit was gone. Like the, the basically the idea was that the spirit would would hover over the body for three days, and once death set in, the spirit would realize death is already is, is like there's there's no hope now, and so that it would it would go. And so they're saying it's already the third day, but we're getting some of these reports back. And he says, but we had, we had hoped that he'd be the one to redeem Israel. Have you ever been in a place of like, I had hoped? 
You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, hope, right? It, hope is lodged in the future. Hope is always lodged in the future. It's this, this the, the anticipation and expectation of things to come. That's what hope is. And so when, when, when it goes from hope to had hoped, hope is no longer in the future, but then hope is something like had hope, that's the past thing, right? And this is, this is a big difference. I mean, it's the difference between, right, I hope I get the job, and I had hoped I would get the job. It's the difference between, I really hope this relationship works out, and I had hoped that relationship would work out. And so, right, one is full of expectation and anticipation. I hope I get the job. I hope the relationship works out. But the other, I had hoped. I had hoped I would get the job. I had hoped that that relationship would work out. That's full of disappointment, discouragement, shame, guilt. And what do we have here with these, with these two? I had hoped. And when I was thinking about that this week, I had hope. I thought about all of these things that steal hope from you, that steal hope from me. But the, 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 the convicting thing was this, is like what, what, what was stealing hope from them? I mean, it was the fact that Jesus had died, right? The fact that Jesus had died had stolen hope from them. So Jesus dies, it goes to had hoped. And, 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 and they said, well, it's, it's our leaders that crucified Jesus. It's our leaders that, that, that put him there. One of the questions they'll ask you in seminary, it's a trick question, by the way. They'll say, who put Jesus on the cross? And they'll go, was it? Oh, it was the Jews. You go, well, the Jews turned him over. But it was, it was the Roman government who actually crucified him. And then one real smart seminarian will go, you know, didn't we all put Jesus on the cross? Like, isn't it because of all of our sin that we've all put Jesus on the cross? To which then the professor will say, it's actually, no, all of that's wrong. Uh, The father put him on the cross. The father put Jesus on the cross. It was by his own will. He wasn't forced to. This is what he said, the whole thing. I'm doing with the father's will. And he goes, and and I willingly, I'm willingly giving up my life. So, so, so maybe I, it was, our, our sin, like it only could be atoned for by that, but it's actually the Father who puts him on the cross. And so interestingly enough, there had hoped, if you're following this right, there had hope was because Jesus died on the cross, which was the work of God. So I, at some level this is interesting because it's actually the work of God that's stealing their hope. I don't know if you've ever been there, but like this place, it's like God's working, he's accomplishing his will, and as he's doing it, actually your hope is moved to a had hoped. And so this is where we find them. And then the, the resurrection is going to move us back to a place of hope. Dead is not dead, but dead is life. The end is not the beginning. Sorry, the end is not the end, but it's the beginning. And so we see this moving. And so they go, but we had hoped. And then it goes on then in verse 22. Moreover, some of our women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. 
And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had, they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him or him they did not see. And so they're saying, well, you know, then we got word back that some of the women that went to the tomb, but in this culture, women's testimony was not seen as 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 believable. So that's why the, the, the guys might have gone to, like, verify it. And so but interestingly enough that Jesus shows up to to to, to the to the women first. And so we have these things and then they go. So we, we heard these words. Uh, and so these are the reports that are coming back. But, you know, what that tells me is that they didn't believe that they were true. Why? Because they're going to Emmaus. They're going home. Do you think that if they thought that Jesus really had resurrected or he's really up from the grave, they would have been returning home? Spoiler alert, at the end of the story, when they find out that Jesus has raised from the dead, where do they go? Back to Jerusalem. And so really, I think this, this place had, this, of, of had hope was, 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 was for them a very real place. We're just going to go home now because it's all, it's all over. Then it goes to 25. And he said to them, or Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so they thought they were informing Jesus. I love this, how Jesus is. Jesus is going to now flip the, flip, flip the script. Well, what things? Oh, wait, wait, what happened? Wait, then what? And then what? No. Yeah. Oh. And then what does Jesus do? You're not informing me of anything. I'm about to inform you. You're not going to tell me about anything that actually happened. I'm not going to actually tell you about what happened. And actually not just in this story, but like the whole story. And so not only does Jesus insert himself into their story, but then he shows them how the story has always been about him. It's interesting because sometimes people will say, well, well, Jesus isn't in the Old Testament. And sometimes when I, well, not talking, when I preach an Old Testament sermon and they, they get, well we're gonna see jesus in this and people go wow you're you're, you're forcing jesus into the text and you go because jesus is not in the old testament i go well here's the problem with that is that one that he is two that jesus himself would beg to differ with that, that argument because actually what jesus does is he goes i'm going to take you back to and all they would have had is what we call right now the old testament and he says i'm going to show you how it's always been about me all of the prophets spoke about me, Moses about me, the Psalms about me. And I think about, man, could they have recorded that as Jesus gives his commentary on the Old Testament and about how the Old Testament points to him. Like the, the, main, the main thing, you know, people think that the Bible is just a list of do's and don'ts. Don't, hey, don't do that, do this. And so read the Bible about do's and don'ts, don'ts and this and this. You go, but that's not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is to reveal God and, and he is most revealed in Jesus Christ. And so the point, the point of the Bible is to push you towards Jesus. And to, to read the Old Testament and not see Jesus all over the place is to miss the point of the Old Testament. 
to miss the main point of the Old Testament. And if all we ever do is we read the stories about David and Goliath and learn about how do we go out and slay our own giants, but we miss Jesus, then we miss the point. And Jesus seems to be saying this. He goes, you do not know And so Jesus, not only does he insert himself into their story, he shows them how the whole story has always been about him. And then he goes on. He goes on, and then in verse 28. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going on farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now spent, is is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And so here he got Jesus. He's like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm like, no, 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 you stay. And I love how it says that he acted because the idea was that he was going to, I mean, he was going to reveal himself. People may say, well, what happens if they didn't invite him? Jesus knew that they were going to invite him into their house. And so he's just like, I'm just going to go a bit further. And maybe you do this sometimes too. Like, no, 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 no. Like, no, no, you got to come over tonight. Like, no, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. No, 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 come over. Okay. You know that the, 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 they're going to be insistent on it. And because they're insistent on it, that's going to give you a little bit of more grace on the front end to be like, no, I'm okay. So Jesus acts as if he's going to go further. They say, don't go any further. You stay here with us because it's getting late and it's not safe to travel at night. And so stay. And so Jesus stays and then he breaks the bread. And I love this because now what they thought is the guest, now he becomes host. And they break the bread. And there's something about breaking of the bread. People go, what was it? I don't know. All I know is that God caused their eyes not to see him or recognize him before. And at the breaking of the bread is that people go, oh, it's Jesus. And so when we see this, what Jesus happens is that he, he inserts himself into their story. He shows how the whole story has been about him. And will always be about him. And then he reveals himself. But it's interesting. It's not the information. They have the information. They were eyewitnesses to the story. They were in the middle of the story. But they couldn't see the story. Because they were looking at the story from the wrong perspective. And so here we have then Jesus. He breaks the bread and then boop, gone. I think about like the, like what these guys would have gone through and like these these like just just the short like you know week eight days ten days from 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 Jesus is King to here he is to Hosanna to then crucified to then stories of resurrection and then he comes and then as soon as they recognize him gone I think about that. In a moment they recognize, and then in a moment that he is gone. He goes from guest to host. He goes from stranger to Lord. 
He goes from crucified prophet to risen Christ. You see, this was a stumbling block for them. The fact that the prophet had to, that Jesus had to suffer. Because how can our, our, our risen Lord suffer? And then when he breaks the bread, they go, oh, it's Jesus. Then it goes into verse 34, sorry, 32. And they said to each other, did our hearts not burn with us while, while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? And as they, as they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And so I love it. They, they break the bread. It's Jesus He's gone. And they go, it's Jesus. And then he's gone. And then they're like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it the whole time. I knew it. There was something about him. There was something, something about him. You didn't know it. No, I did. I did. I just didn't want to say it because it was a little weird. But yeah, I knew it. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't our hearts, didn't our hearts burn as he, was, as he was explaining to us the scriptures? And then where do they go? They go back to Jerusalem. To which I want to say, huh, I thought it was too late to travel. I thought, I thought this was the stopping point today. Like we can't, it's not safe to go on, Jesus. It's not safe to be, like, it's getting late in the day. You can't be traveling seven miles this time of day. It's too late. Jesus breaks the bread. They're about to eat. They're about to eat. So they it doesn't sound like they eat. It sounds like then they just get up and like, we got to go. We are hungry. It's late. But we have got to get back to Jerusalem. And I love it because the journey continues. You know, I, I, the story is, is uh, titled, you know, On the Road to Emmaus. But I think it should be titled On the Road to Emmaus, but really back to Jerusalem, right? Because that's the story. The story actually doesn't end in Emmaus. And actually, it's not even like it's on the road, yes. But really what happens is that they thought their journey was taking them one way. They have this encounter with Jesus, and it turns them right back around. Saying here is this, I was thinking like there's the revelation of G, the risen Jesus that brought clarity to the scriptures. We see this. It was the revelation of the risen Jesus that changed the course of their journey. It was the, it was the revelation of the risen Jesus that gave them new motivation. Like sometimes maybe you're like, just like, you've got no motivation and then God reveals something to you and all of a sudden you're, you are newly motivated. They are newly motivated. They are hungry and tired, but all of a sudden they're thinking, we got, we got purpose. We got to go back to Jerusalem. And it was the revelation of the risen Jesus that took the we had hoped and brought it back to hope again. And so what we see is Jesus inserts himself into their personal story, then he shows them 
how the, the corporate story has always been about him. And then he reveals himself. It's interesting because I think a lot of times we carry a lot of weight and a lot of guilt about our own spiritual journeys. Like, oh, I should be doing this more. And, yeah, that's good. And people, I should read the Bible more. And I go, that, that's good. I should pray more. And I go, yes, that's good. Those are all good things. But I, my, sometimes my question is like, how much is enough though? You know, you read the Bible. I should read it more. Yes, that's true. We should all read the Bible more. Oh, I read it for 30 minutes. Oh, so you'd read it 30 minutes. You go, you know what? That's good for that. You'd probably still feel like, no, I should have read an hour. Should have read two, four, eight, 16 hours a day. And really what we see here is who's, who's the one over their journey? Jesus. He inserts himself, himself, not somebody else, not even an angel. Jesus himself inserts himself into the story. Then he shows them how their, their, their story is actually not their story. Their story is a much larger story that is all about Jesus. And with those two things, actually, interestingly enough, those two things were not even enough. And then the, the, the third thing that happens is then he, he reveals himself. But just reveals himself for a moment to go, that's Jesus, then to go. And so... I think a lot of times as I was thinking about this, I go, I think what we're, part, part of the tension with our own spiritual journey is we keep on, we, we keep on wanting to uh, insert God into our story. We want Jesus to play his part in our story. And Jesus is like, well, actually, I, yes, I will insert myself into your story, but only to bring you into my story. Because your, your as we would say, your grand narrative is not the grand narrative. It may be your grand narrative, but it's not the grand narrative. And the grand narrative is the one that's about Jesus. And he was wanting to bring you into this. And so what we see in this, this resurrected state is that he, he reveals, uh, sorry, he inserts himself into the story. He reveals how the whole story has always been about him. And then he reveals uh, himself to them. And so I was thinking uh, this week is that maybe this has been a challenge for you. Yeah, maybe it's been a challenge for you where where you have you have gone from this place of of hope to had hoped, and you're like you're not seeing how how Jesus is working at all. And I would I would tell you a few things from this story. One, it's quite possible that Jesus has already inserted himself into the story. You don't even know it. And the only reason you don't know it is because he doesn't want you to know it. And that's a difficult thought. But it's also an encouraging thought. Because a lot of times it's like, it's like, unless I see it, unless I see it, then it's not there. God, unless I see it, and it could be, it could very well be like in this story. It's actually God's work because you don't understand it, because you don't get it, because you don't see it. It's actually God's work that may be the very thing that's stealing hope from you. Because it's not going the way in which you thought it should go. Not going the way you thought you wanted it to go. Not the way that you prayed it would go. Not the way that you told God you thought it should go. Right? And so maybe it's quite possible for you, for me, is that God's already inserted himself into the story. He's already operating as an agent. And if that's you, 
my encouragement to you is the prayer that I like to pray, which is, God, would, would you reveal yourself? There have been lots of times in my life, and it's just in places of discouragement, and uh, that I just, I go, God, I'm just super discouraged, and would you just, would you just reveal yourself? Like, just pull back the curtain a little bit? And I can tell you that God's been very, very faithful to that prayer. And interestingly enough, it's been things like this, and not like, a, like, like then Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, it's that subway. But, uh, but, you know, but, but, but really just like maybe moments, maybe moments where, where I'm like, like I've got this moment of peace and clarity and, and of like assurance that God is, is working. And then maybe the next day I'm back. But with, with a new revelation The last thing I want to encourage you with is this idea that nothing can happen unless God reveals himself. It's interesting right now, even as we live in an increasingly non-Christian culture, is people think that we need just to give information. Let's just get more information out there. They go, it's good. But people think if they have, like, if we, if, if, they can, if we can just connect all the dots for them, if we can just tell them everything that's here, then, then they, will, they will go, yes, Jesus. And I go, hear me on this. One, that's just, this is super important for them to know these sorts of things. Absolutely. But this is not enough. If God wants to remain hidden, he'll remain hidden. And so the prayer has to be, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to them? Reveal yourself to this culture. Reveal yourself to those that are around us. You can give them the information. You can give them the eyewitness accounts. You can say, let me tell you how, how God's worked in my life. And all of those things, I mean, hear me this. They're super important and, and very important, and I would encourage you to do them. But they, they, are, they, do not, they do not supersede, nor can they ever replace the revelation of Jesus himself. And so I pray all the time, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to them? I know that looks differently. That may come through your word. That may come through people. That may just come through a, a visions and a dream. That may come through supernatural realms. That may come through natural realms. Because if you don't reveal yourself, if they don't see you as the risen Lord, then the information's not going to make a lot of difference. And so would you, would you use me? Would you use the things around them? to reveal yourself to them. That's our prayer for this culture, by the way. It's not that our culture would become more conservative or that our culture would become even more moralistically Christian, but that we would would live in a culture that increasingly so has had Jesus revealed to them, and because of that, they have embraced him as the risen Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your interaction with your with your creation continually so. I pray for those that are here that, that need, to, need to know that you're with them. I pray that you have already inserted yourself into the story. I pray that you're already acting and moving in ways in which they do not know and I, in even ways they don't maybe even need to know. I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would be encouraged this morning that you are at work even if they don't see it. And even if your work is the very thing that is discouraging them. 
And I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that you would pull back the curtain today. Pray about pull, pray that you'd pull back the curtain this week. That they would see that you are with them. That you've been with them. And continue to walk with them. And maybe that, maybe that will only last a moment, but the moment will be enough to change the motivation. The, the moment will be enough uh, to change a direction, to change an inner disposition. And I pray for those that are around us, Jesus, that need to know you, to embrace you as the risen Lord. I pray that we would be faithful in giving them the information. I pray that we would be faithful in giving a witness but that ultimately, Jesus, you would be faithful in revealing yourself. That they would see you and know you as the risen Lord. And in that moment could even say, did not we not, did we not know? They could look back on their story and go, did we not know? And may it all point to you, Jesus, the author, the center of the, of the whole story. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.